handoff to Jonathan oh. Taylor. Hughes hole. He's at the 30. He's going to go. 10, 5, touchdown. Jonathan Taylor made a man miss the line of scrimmage and then runs it into Pater. And a one-handed INT. Are you kidding me? Kenny Moore. What a play by Naheem Hines. What's going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. On today's episode, we are doing another Colts Q&A for all you loyal listeners and everybody who tunes in. Um, so, Derek, we're doing a – we have a good amount of questions for this one. It's probably going to take a little bit longer. There are some questions that are similar. So, if you asked a similar question, we did answer it. We may just not say your name, or we might just brush over it. So, just so you guys know that, but uh, – a little bit of a thank you to all our listeners for everybody who has helped us along the journey to get to 7k can't believe we're there it's incredible thank you guys so much for everything and derek we'll start with youtube we'll start there had a good amount of people who sent in questions from youtube first one is from benjamin he says do you think the Colts should trade for julio jones if so what is he worth we knew this one was coming let's just get it right off the bat here all right um my response no, we shouldn't because ultimately with the asking price that Atlanta wants for it right now, the Colts may not be able to even the asking price, you know, what is it? First, maybe even a second, you know, the Colts may not be able to provide that for next year. Cause right. you know, depending on how the Carson Wentz trade goes down, how he plays this year depends on whether or not we have a first or a second rounder next year. So that, comes into question the cap's not the issue it's just due to the fact well actually it is kind of an issue because after the eric fisher signing we really don't have a whole lot and the only way to be able to figure that out is if carson wentz restructures his deal again you know he, he right. restructured it already once this offseason then you'd be asking him to restructure it again to where he'd be making close to almost nothing this year and then just saying, oh, well, you know, we'll give the rest of it another time when we think the cap is going to jump once these TV deals come out. So just seems like a lot of hassle for a 32-year-old wide receiver that's just past his prime. I mean, obviously, he's a really good wide receiver, but I don't think Julio Jones is the piece that puts this team all the way to the edge of a Super Bowl contention. So I I'd say no. I don't think this wide receiver group is as bad as some people think it is either. I think some people just think, oh, we need to basically pull off a DeForest Buckner-type trade for our wide receivers. And I look at it and I say, well, look, you already have Michael Pittman, who you think maybe will ascend even further. He had over 500 yards last year. Uh, Paris Campbell, who is another high-round pick he took a couple years ago. If he can stay healthy, boom, you have two guys that you're really excited about. Not to mention Zach Paschal, who we all know, T.Y. Hilton you bring in back. Uh, and then you have some other guys who put in some good minutes for you the last couple of years. So overall, I'm not as concerned about this wide receiver group as maybe some people are. I don't think necessarily, like you said, obviously Julio Jones would improve this offense. I think we can both firmly say that he's one of the best wide receivers in the game for a reason. But also I look at it as like, is first off the draft capital you're going to have to surrender, whether it is a first or second round pick. And then, you know, depending on what happens there, you, you might not be picking to the third round next year. What if you want to go address corner? What if you want to go address offensive tackle or something else? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't love doing that, you know, for a 32 year old wide receiver, no matter how great he is, you know? And also you mentioned the contract. Some people are saying, don't worry about contract They say, okay, well, he's one of the highest paid receivers in the NFL. So what are you going to do? You can't make all these guys highest paid players at their position. You just can't bring all those right. guys on your roster, especially with probably making Darius Leonard and Braden Smith some of the top players at their positions, as well as having to re-sign Big Q next offseason and Naheem Hines and maybe some other guys. Like, I'm just at the point where I'm like, no, I'm good to for another year with our wide receiver core. I feel like just maybe they were limited a little bit in what we saw just due to the quarterback play, albeit it was good, but just spread out, you know, just spread out amongst all these guys. The numbers weren't Julio Jones numbers, right? They weren't, they, we didn't have a true number one wide receiver. I don't think personally it's as big of a need to being a super successful offense as maybe some people think. 
Um, and not to mention the running game we have, the tight ends we have. I feel like they can complement these wide receivers very well. Um, but thank you for the question, Benjamin. Really appreciate it. Right. Uh, another question here about another trade. Indiana Sports Talk says, would you want to trade for Zach Ertz? If so, would you go four tight ends and three running backs and cut Wilkins? Uh, Derek, I, I personally thought that when you drafted Kylan Granson, that kind of shut the door a little bit on Zach Ertz. I don't know about you. Maybe you have a different opinion on this one. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, you just invested a draft pick into Kylan Granson. I mean, why would you want to invest in Zach Ertz at this point? I mean, you feel confident. I mean, Frank Reich is fully confident in the abilities of a Kylan Granson. Why invest another one into an older tight end? We know he's still a, a relatively good player, but I mean, you're just mm -hmm. adding another veteran piece that really just doesn't, again, just doesn't bolster the team to the point where you're saying, oh, wow, that's a championship move here. I mean, you already got your playmaking tight end there. I just don't see the benefit in getting a Zach Ertz at this point. We already drafted one. Especially via trade. Like, okay, if he's released, maybe that's a little bit of a different conversation. Yes. But the fact that you're trading for him, I'm not about that. No, thank you. I'm good with that. Zach Ertz had a, was not great last year, was injured last year. So, like, a um, little bit older as well. But under the scenario, to the second part of this question, if you did say sign Zach Ertz, he's on your roster somehow, um, I think the move would be four tight ends. I do. I think the move is four tight ends. You have three running backs. Um, or maybe you make a cut somewhere else on the roster. Um, I do think Wilkins has a good chance of being cut anyway, honestly. But we'll see, obviously, what happens. But I think in that scenario, certainly, if you're making me choose between four tight ends or four running backs, I'm going four tight ends. Thanks for the question. All right, next one from Canned Ham. What a name. Um, assuming everyone stays healthy, which running back has the most carries at the end of the year? The end of the year. That's what. That's the kind of the emphasis there. Uh, what do you think? Most carries by the end of the year. Um, I, I think that ultimately is probably going to end up being Jonathan Taylor. You know, we kind of expect that, you know, with the workhorse that he was. Obviously, Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines are going to take a few away from him. But I still anticipate Jonathan Taylor being the uh, primary ball handler in the backfield for the Colts this year and up until the very end of the year as well. Uh, yeah, I think it was. it's always going to be Jonathan Taylor at this point. You know, um, it seems like especially at the end of the year, he just got stronger, too. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's going to be the move is Jonathan Taylor. He's going to even at the end of the year, he's going to still have the most carries. I think we can firmly say that. But don't don't count out Marlon Mack either. Um, I'll just say that. Mm -hmm. All right. Next question from Alan Rich. He says, who is the most likely to fill the Anthony Walker role in our defense with him gone? He says, any chance it's a linebacker out of BYU, assuming he's talking about um, the guy, the undrafted guy out of BYU. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. I can't remember his name right off the top, but I did say I liked uh, how that kid played and his turnover potential is insane. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a good question because, you know, we kind of asked if we thought that uh, Iberflus was going to change up the defensive scheme a little bit. You know, they're mm -hmm. still going to be a zone heavy team, but I could fully anticipate seeing a lot more secondary in the in there at some point. But, you know, I, I think it has to be the relatively smart answer here, which is either Zaire Franklin or it's or it's EJ Speed at this point. Um, makes sense for a guy like EJ Speed to be in there because, you know, due to how massive he is and how quick he is and the ability to make tackles we saw in the preseason, you know, him make some tackles that, you know, for a guy who's playing middle linebacker, you know, shouldn't be able to make a tackle at that spot at that moment in time. But, you know, he's got really good speed on him, pun intended, yeah. uh, just due to the fact I don't know how he is in coverage. I mean, this is a very difficult yeah. question to answer because outside of Darius Leonard and Bobby Okariki, there is not a linebacker on this roster that has gotten any significant time to tell us, oh, that guy is going to be the definitive answer. So honestly, it could be anybody, but I'm really hoping it's EJ Speed. 
But yeah, I think from a potential standpoint, EJ Speed certainly has the most upside at this point. But Matthew Adams is another name I wouldn't count out either because he has some starting experience at that Sam linebacker, right? Kind of mm-hmm. the the run stopping role. We saw that lo- a little more probably in 2018 um, with with him when obviously they didn't have Okariki at that point and Walker and Leonard, um, and then he was the other guy that kind of came that kind of came in in that Sam package uh, in that Sam linebacker role rather. So I could potentially see him taking it too, but yeah. I think if you're making me choose, probably just want to throw EJ Speed out there. It's not like he's going to get significant snaps anyway. We just haven't seen a whole lot of of him, right? We haven't seen a lot of game action of him, but what we did see, we kind of liked, and that was his rookie season. So it's interesting to see how much he has developed as a linebacker these last couple of years. Um, I, I definitely will be intrigued. That'll be something to watch during the preseason, right? to see how some of these linebackers go for that Sam position, who's kind of going to be the linebacker off the bench, right? Who can come in in a pinch or play that Sam linebacker position. Um, But I think in terms of the role, like that Anthony Walker played in terms of, you know, a guy that's maybe not the greatest coverage, but is a pretty good run stopper, probably Zaire Franklin or Matthew Adams are probably the two guys I'm looking at right now. But EJ Speed could surprise. You never know with that one. But thanks for that question, Alan. One from Feet for Fish, another interesting name. Um, who will be most likely the right guard next year? He says, resign Glowinski, promote Fries, Reed, or other? That's a tough question. What do you think? Uh, well, um, yeah, so not this upcoming year, for next year. Yep. Okay, yeah, Mark Glowinski. I just wanted to make sure I was checking something. Um, so, yeah, 29 years of age. Uh, it's going to be 30 when the season starts. So, uh, good point there of, you know, does what is Glowinski basically going to ask for? You know, that's the big question here. And I mean, honestly, when it comes to uh, Mark Glowinski, you know, he's kind of been the, he's kind of been the uh, odd man out when it comes to how this offensive line kind of gets taken care of, you know, everybody else is getting taken care of. And then there's questions about Mark Lewinsky unsure about whether or not he's going to chase a bigger payday to go to because I'm gonna be honest I don't think the Colts are gonna pay him a whole lot if he decides he wants to return um I think they understand that you know if Eric Fisher performs really well they're gonna want to pay him a good amount of money to stay around you're obviously gonna pay big Q in a year in a year or two Braden Smith's gonna get paid here very soon and Ryan Kelly's already got the second highest uh, center contract in the NFL right now. So, you know, there's not a lot of contract flexibility for the Colts right now with Mark Lewinsky. Ultimately, it's a big question of if Lewinsky doesn't ask for a lot of money, then of course they're going to stick with Mark Lewinsky because Lewinsky makes the most sense and he's been the most familiar with this offense. And, you know, I kind of looked up Chris Reed's age here and. You know, he's 28. He's going to be 29 going into this next year. So, you know, only a year behind Mark Lewinsky. So it's not like that's an issue. Um, But again, I think the reason why, you know, Chris Reed's the backup here and Mark Lewinsky's the starter. And I don't think that Will Fries is going to be uh, ready by that time to be the right guard for this team that we need him to be. So in all likelihood, I think it's Lewinsky. Uh, unless Glowinski goes and demands a big contract to finish out his career. But I highly doubt that somebody's going to pay, you know, like 30, $40 million uh, for a 31 year old uh, right guard uh, going into that year. So I think, honestly, I think it's uh, glow. That's going to end up getting this, the nod as time goes along. You know, why wouldn't you bring him back? You know, he's been solid. He's been an, an average to, I would argue, above average guard at certain points. Um, why wouldn't you bring him back on a, a team-friendly kind of deal? And you don't – that's just another position you don't have to address right away. Right? Now, folks, if you asked Cody this question two years ago, then we might have had a different uh, – right. we might have had a different tone. Okay? Right, which um, – Everybody knows Cody didn't necessarily like how Glow played in 2019, and then 2020 happened, and it surprised the hell out of him. And everybody knows Derek loves to remind everybody that Cody, I love reminding people how much you hated watching Glowinski play. I, I well, mean, I've, I'm just going to be honest. 
I've come to the place where I realized it was more on the quarterback play than Glowinski himself. Yes. Um, and so I get it now. I think it's just in the emotions of, I don't want to go into it, but we've already <laughs> talked about it to death. Um, but you know, that's a good question. I think Glowinski for the right price is clearly the answer. And why would you mess up the chemistry your offensive line has? Right. right? If they all play to how they played last year, all the four other guys, and then if Eric Fisher returns to form, I mean, why wouldn't you re-sign him to a one- to two-year deal? Maybe even longer. I don't know. He's been solid for you. I would keep him. He's been a nice find by Ballard and Company a few years ago. All righty. Next question from Aiden. He says, Ballard loves building through the draft, but without a without a proven big guns, Buckner-type trades, will he ever make it to the Super Bowl? See, this one kind of confused me because, like, have you not been seeing what Ballard's been doing? Like, he just traded for Carson Wentz. That was a pretty significant one. You mentioned the Buckner one. I don't know. Well, what are your thoughts on this one, Derek? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of these other teams that, you know, are making big trades, you know, or making big act, uh, big add-ons and free agency and whatnot, you know, it, it's, it's hard to really know because I'll tell you one thing, what Ballard and company has done by building through the draft and building it that way is that it prolongs how how long you have a chance to go to a Super Bowl. Okay, when you mm-hmm. when you go all out, like what the Rams are, for example. The Rams are the perfect example of this. They've given away all their draft capital. They have invested in big-time players and big-time money to go and get the big names that they think is going to bring them to the promised land. Now, in two, three years, when the Rams lose all those players – and they don't have the draft capital to back that up anymore. If they won a Super Bowl in that time, then it was totally worth it. If they didn't win one, then obviously it wasn't worth it. They only had two to three years to get it done because Stafford's, you know, getting up there in age. Jalen Ramsey's not going to be the number one corner forever. And Aaron Donald's not going to be on the field for forever either. He's probably only got a couple years left in him, too. So, you know, when it comes to. What the Colts have been able to do, the fact that a lot of these guys are still 24, 25, 26 years old, it, and yet we're still a playoff team year in and year out, it gives you the chance to say, if we keep developing these players the way we want to, we draft the way we want to, and occasionally pick a spot where we can trade or acquire somebody that we think sets this team up over the top, then ultimately, yes, this strategy can lead to a Super Bowl. It's just ultimately going to depend on the players to make up the rest. Exactly. And I'm kind of to the point where it's like, unless you have a Buckner sitting there for a first round pick, for example, like you don't make a lot of those trades a lot of times, especially when you feel like you're a contender, right? And and if your way has worked, if you've drafted guys and now you have to pay guys, why would you trade for an outside guy that you're going to have to pay anyways? A guy that's not been in your culture from the beginning. That's why I'm kind of of the belief that you draft your own and you pay your own, similar to what Ballard has done, right? That's exactly what Ballard has done. So that's why I think you don't see a lot of those trades is because that's not how Ballard rolls. You know, he's not perfect in the draft. We know that. But he's hit a lot more than he's missed. He really has. And that's why the team is sitting here right now and are going to have to pay Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, Naheem Hines, Darius Leonard, all this kind of money because they've done exactly what they wanted to do so well. So I think that that hopefully that answers your question a little bit. Like the good teams like that, they typically don't make those trades a whole lot because they're very good at the drafting process. And that's exactly what the Colts are doing right now. But thanks for the question. Really appreciate it. All right, this one from Peyton Munch. He says, Biggest thing you're worried about going into the year besides Wentz, because that's too obvious. Oh, um, I think the biggest worry for me is if both of them are on the defensive side here, and they're pretty even for me. Um, who takes that number two corner spot? Obviously, we have Kenny Moore in the slot, and you have Xavier Rhodes, who... You know, for last year, Xavier Rhodes was a top 10 corner in the league last year. Uh, Hope he could kind of stay close to what that was uh, this next year. Um, Ultimate question there is, you know, it's just a point of who takes it. Is it is it uh, is it going to be carry? Is it going to be rock? Is it going to be 
tell who knows what's going to happen. There's a lot of uncertainty in that. And the defensive ends is what kind of concerns me a little bit too. I know Quiddy pay is, you know, hopefully going to be that next star at the defensive end spot. You know, who knows how he's going to turn out this year to start, but then, you know, Dio is probably not going to play for the majority of the year. You know, that other side's going to be kind of weak at times. You know, how do the Colts counterbalance that? How do they get more efficient on that side of the line without having a Dio there and all this other thing? So, you know, just uncertainty with certain positions there on the defense. I think just edge rush, like you've addressed it, but like, are any, when are some of these guys going to just take that next step? That is my concern. How long do we have to wait on Kamoko Ture? How long do we have to wait on Ben Banigou? You know, for example, those two guys right there, high round picks to pan out, right? To start doing that stuff. How long are we going to have to wait on Quiddy Pay to be, you know, the force at defensive end? I think, so I think, is it going to be a similar situation to what we saw last year where just at certain times, quarterbacks had all day to throw and your defense and your secondary suffered because of it? Right. I mean, they were doing, they were phenomenal. If you remember at the beginning of the year, they were a top five defense for a good chunk of that year. Yeah. And then what happened when the pass rush really, you know, started to falter, especially at defensive end, it went drastically down. Their defensive numbers did. And I'm just kind of worried about that. Like, can you get home with four? Is my biggest question. We don't have any questions about DeForest Buckner, right? We don't really have a whole lot of questions about Grover Stewart, even though he's not really a pass rusher. But when it comes to pass rushing, who's going to stand out? Who's going to do it? Are these guys going to be able to take that next step? I think that is my biggest concern. I think if they can, even if two of these four guys or five guys pan out, you're good, right? You're totally good then. That's my question because I just don't know right away if anybody's going to do that, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. would it have been a, and I don't believe it would be, but I think the argument can be made. Would it have been, would have been wise to re sign Justin Houston? who does have more of a known factor, um, a little bit of the pass rush. But I do I do understand the other argument. I'm kind of on the side of, well, look, his, he's kind of, from a pass rush standpoint, has kind of gone down a little bit the last couple, especially this last year. We saw it drastically. Um, but I think that's my biggest concern as well there is definitely the edge rush. All right, uh, next question from Cristobal Lugo. Sorry about that. Uh, with the attention on our pass rushers, offensive line and defensive line, quarterback and receivers, do you feel like we have the most underrated defensive backs in the league? No, not even not even close. Uh, we're not talking about safeties here. We're talking about when you're talking about defensive backs. Now, if you're talking about secondary as a whole, that might be a different scenario. But and when it comes to the defensive backs themselves. We all know how underrated Kenny Moore is. Now, we know, we understand that Kenny Moore never gets any love and he thrives off it. And he's doing things in the NFL that other corners would be dreaming of doing. Yet he somehow just never gets recognized. Oftentimes, people forget he's even on the team. And somehow he's, he's the best corner on our team. And yet somehow, like, the national media is just like, who's Kenny Moore? Like, what do you mean? The guy's putting up numbers that other corners wish they could. But, you know, outside of Xavier Rhodes, I mean, who's obviously doing really well. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty on this defense when it comes to the secondary. You know, when it comes to Rock, who's been exposed this last year. And then, you know, TJ Carey, when he stepped in early in the year, was doing really well. But then later in the year, kind of got exposed a few times. And then Marvell Tell, we still don't know how he's going to turn out. Because he opted out last year. He was doing really well at the end of the 2019 season. But we don't know how he's going to do. And Isaiah Rogers has gotten very minimal uh, corner experience in the NFL. So I can't sit here and say it's the most underrated defensive backs in the league. Now I can say when it comes to who is the most underrated defensive back in the whole league, I can definitely say it's Kenny Moore. But when we're talking about the whole unit as a whole, it's just, it's not one of them. Hmm. I think the word is unknown, not underrated for this defensive, especially corners. I'm assuming that's exactly what you're talking about there, especially with the corner. It's a lot of unknown at this point. Um, But I think that totally makes sense. All right. Uh, let's see. Next question from Brandon. He said, I see he just asked about Julio Jones again. We already addressed that. We said no. 
Uh, so we won't answer that one in detail. Justin, continuing on the trend of, of defensive backs, he asked about Marvell Tell. He says, does he take Rock's job if Rock doesn't fix his penalty issues? Well, I mean, he certainly has that ability. Um, he is definitely a guy that was doing really well at the end of the season when Rock was in 2019. Um, he has good potential. You know, it's just all a matter of how much does Rock grow from year two to year three? You know, it's going to be the big question here. And, you know, do the Colts decide to go uh, corner by committee with that number two spot? You know, at certain times they might put TJ, they might put Rock, they might put um, Marvell Tell in there. And like Justin said, even Isaiah Rogers at times, you know, to have that chance, you know, it, it, it it's a good question. Um, Marvell Tell, I think, certainly has that option to do that. Um, I think he's going to come back hungry and ready to play. And if there is somebody that's going to take his spot, I think it would be Marvell Tell. Don't count on Isaiah Rogers, though. I can't. I mean, he just – in that Buffalo game, he got me really excited. He really got me pumped for what he potentially could do, especially with that speed he has. I mean, my goodness. All right. Uh, oh, this is a very, very loaded question from Braden. He says, will Easton or Ellinger be better? He's trying to get those Easton stands after us again. He knows. He knows. <laughs> I mean, I think physically Easton – but we just don't know. How can you say, how can you predict this? It's like, you have no yeah, idea. We're I mean, predicting I throw crap backup at the quarterbacks here. We have no freaking idea. I can throw crap Honestly, at the wall. Neither one of these guys could play all year. Right. Okay. <laughs> I'll say this. Physically, if you're making me go out and choose between these two guys, probably Eason, because I think he has the tools to be a starting quarterback in this league, probably more than Sam Ellinger. But, you know, there is, there are some questions about him for sure. So I'll probably just, Say Eason for now, but we just don't know until we see the preseason. I'll we just go Ellinger. No okay, all right, fair enough. I mean, it's a crapshoot. It could be either way. It's off the Eason stand. <laughs> I knew you would do it. I don't care. <laughs> oh, my word. I'm all right from – oh, man, this one's going to trigger Derek maybe. I don't know. Uh, maybe not. Um, Indiana Sports Talk says Blankenship's job on the line. Of course, asking since the Colts side Eddie Pinheiro – I don't think so. I think it's, I can firmly say it's just adding competition. I don't think his job is on the line, but I certainly, I think the, the Colts have done this, right? It's not like this is a new thing, right? How many times did the Colts sign a, a, a rookie kicker or a veteran kicker in camp to compete with Vinatieri? It was to push them, right? And to make them be better. I mean, you can't preach competition if you're not going to make it with everybody, including your punters and your kickers. So, yep. um, yeah, I, I don't think his job is on the line. I just think it's, it's a, continual thing that the Colts like to do with all their positions. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Okay. All right. Let's switch over to Twitter now. This one from Hank asking about Julio Jones as well. Won't answer that one. This one from at the young fan zero. How many yards do you think Michael Pittman Jr. will get this year? Oh man, that is a good question. Well, let me look up the stats. He had like 500 plus yards last year, I think. Yeah, I'm going to take a look at these. Yep, 500 yards in how many games played? He missed four, right? Three or missed, four. I, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, I think many, he missed but... four. So, okay. you know, so that's 13 games worth. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't believe that he's going to quite get double. But I do believe definitively that this man can reach about 750 yards. I, I okay. really think that's realistic. And for him to get around 50-plus catches for 700-something yards, I, I think that's a legit uh, stat line there for him. I had like a 800 yards, so I'm right there with you. About right there, I think, is, is a good – I think the touchdowns are certainly going to go up, though. I think he has a chance, especially with how Wentz likes to use his bigger bodies. I think he has a chance to maybe do – uh, you know, anywhere from eight to 10 touchdowns, if I'm being completely honest, like that might be a little high, but it I think he a has a chance. High. He has a chance to do that with his yeah. body type and how much Carson Wentz likes to use those guys in the red zone. So um, yeah, that, that's the question there. Uh, this one from at harm nasty 64. He says most likely to play middle linebacker, Franklin speeder Adams. Okariki. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this one from Luke Jordan. He says, Jonathan Taylor, 2,000 rushing yards. Not going to happen. 
That's crazy. It's not going to happen. Uh, that would be amazing if it happened, but that would, that's not going to happen. The running the running back by committee is why it won't happen, right? I think with if Max stays healthy, right? Because I mean, Taylor you was on a tear. Say that for Derrick Henry, but you're not saying that for 95 percent of running backs in the NFL this year, right? That's a rarity. Like that doesn't just happen, you know. Um, so, I mean, he has a chance for sure because he's Jonathan Taylor and he was the, one of the best running backs in the league last year. But I think just the way the Colts like to use their running backs probably won't get 2,000, but I could see 1,500 plus. He has to average over 120 yards a game to do that. Wow. There's a hundred or 115, basically. There's just no way Jonathan Taylor averages. 115 yards a game throughout the season. There's just no way. As good as Jonathan Taylor really is, he just isn't, he's just not going to do that. Not with the way the Colts want to run by committee. It's just And also throw it. <laughs> like they don't just hand it off, you know, like, like the Titans do a lot of times. Like right. they actually want to sling it with Carson Wentz too. Gotcha. Alrighty. Uh, this one from... Tyler, he says, do you think Des, meaning Desmond Patman, will get a chance this season? I doubt it. Honestly, I think the if everybody stays healthy the way I think so, I mean, even when it, they weren't healthy last year, Desmond Patman wasn't getting a chance. So I just don't know if I see it right now. I think it depends who gets hurt if somebody were to get hurt. Um, if it was like a bigger body, like if it was knock on wood Pittman, like, okay, maybe. But, yeah, I think he's going to continue to just develop. But I could see him sneaking on the roster. I could see that, but I don't know how much he's going to get, you know, how much playing time he's going to get if he does. All right, so Jack asks about Carson Wentz. He says, what do you think Wentz's realistic floor and ceiling is with Reich in this offense? Floor and ceiling. Are we talking – what are we talking about exactly here? Are we talking, like, just quarterback ranking or – Yeah, let's do quarterback ranking. Let's just do that. Floor, probably like the 16 to 18 range is where I think it'd be at. And then like ceiling, I mean, I think it's anywhere from five to seven. I think this guy could legit be one of the best quarterbacks in the league with Frank Reich. Again, um, just being able to be in that uh, much more clever style of offense than what Doug Peterson was running over there. And just the team around him too, I think will be so much night and day. All All right. right. Uh, This one from Kent, the last one here uh, from Twitter. Um, He says, do you think Paris Campbell has a breakout year? And if so, what's his production? Let's do receiving yards. Well, I mean, first to answer the first question, does he have a breakout year? Well, I mean, if he plays more than two games this year, then yes, that's a breakout year for him because unfortunately he's not had much of a chance to do much more than that. So, you know, I think as long as he stays healthy from even half the season, that's still much better than what we've seen from him, which Gardner's the question, like you said, with how much does he get per game? I mean, I honestly see this guy getting or averaging. 70 yards a game, Cody, to be honest. I I think Paris Campbell is such a unique tool that I could realistically see, like, in all honesty, could see 60, 70 yards a game out of this guy. And on average that, I mean, that's near a 1,000 yards from rushing and receiving. I mean, because this guy is just big play potential all over him if he stays healthy. So, um, I'll probably factor in some some missed games in there because every receiver has a few of those. So, I mean, let's just say realistically he misses four games. Let's just say he misses four or five games. So what, 800, 900 yards on the season? I, I, I mean, that's still a really good uh, productive guy for somebody like him. Okay. That's a, that's a bold prediction there. Um, all I'm, right, I'm well, going all out, man. I love Paris Campbell. You already know this. I know this. Well, we'll come back in a year and see if you were right or wrong. Um, <laughs> I hope you all click back on this video and say, 
damn, Derek was right. See, <laughs> we probably should have listened to him. Maybe instead of saying he's injury prone and that he was the wrong wide oh, receiver because he was an Ohio State wide receiver and he wasn't Terry McClure. All right, I'm good. All right, all right. You need to go uh, just drink some water or something. Uh, just yeah, chill yeah, yeah, out yeah, yeah. for a second. <laughs> all right. Um, moving over to Facebook, it says uh, from David Abner, he says, what games are you guys going to uh, and which wide receiver is going to be cut? Doolin or Harris? He says, enjoy the podcast and go Colts. Well, appreciate that for uh, the support of the podcast. Greatly appreciate it. Sounds like we're all, I mean, combined between the two of us, we're probably going to go to all but maybe like two games or something. Uh, we'll probably give away the other two games. But um, I feel bad, honestly, a little bit for Cody because, you know, with all the home games we have, the games are always at one o'clock unless they get flexed and Cody can't go to a lot of them. But yeah. we got a couple lined up, but we're going to, you know, pretty much all of them because we do have season tickets. But um, Doolin or Harris? Well, I mean, if somebody's getting caught, I think it's going to be Harris. I mean, because like you said, with uh, with Doolin, you know, you you said it before, the special teams guy, you, you like that. And, you know, Doolin's been a, a pretty decent uh, wide receiver at times for us big play potential there. So I see, I see more development out of Doolin than I do Harris. Hmm. All right. I mean, it's fair. I mean, he didn't bring up Harris until Doolin went down. So, I mean, that makes sense. I think Doolin right now is more of a special teams guy and that's what the Colts like. He's, he's a guy that's, that's in the system has been on special teams for the, the couple of years he's been on this team. So I think if you're making me choose probably Doolin right now, but I like what Harris brought. So uh, I would like if say something crazy happens, Paris Campbell goes down again. I could see them using uh, DeMichael Harris again in the way they used him last year, maybe even more of an extended role. But that's all right now. I think if you're making me choose with everybody healthy, probably Doolin. All right. Uh, this one from David. He says, talks about Julio Jones. My goodness, there's a lot of Julio Jones ones in here. Richard Allen talks about. Specs being the kicker of the future. We already addressed that one. Uh, Wayne has three questions here for us. Um, Or I think he has more than that, but I just have three pulled up. So we'll just do these three. Um, He says, name the starting defensive line for the Colts game one. All right. We'll just do that one first. We'll do that one first. Name the defensive line for starters. Okay. You got Quiddy Pay, Forrest Buckner, Grover Stewart. And then the other end, in my opinion, is going to be Kamoko Ture. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll do the three, but I'll throw in Al-Kadim Muhammad. Just for your starter, uh, because he's probably a solid overall player as compared to Kamoko Ture, more of a pass rush specialist. And I think he'll become certainly coming on third downs, but I think Al-Kadim Muhammad would be my other guy right now. But also Tyquan Lewis, don't count him out either for the other defensive end position, right? Because he was a starter for a while there, if you remember, um, last year. I think did he was he beating out who was he beating out last year? I think he was beating out Danico Watry at some point um, for the other defensive end position, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Tyquan, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, he had the best apparently according to the Colts personnel. I mean, he had the best training camp of every person in camp. I mean, there wasn't right. anyone that was any better than him. So, you know, he was he was doing better than DeForest Buckner, for Christ's sake. So, you know, I mean, we knew Buckner was going to be a better player. But, I mean, you know, it takes training camp and then somebody starts balling out and then that starts turning some heads. Mm. Okay, talking to his second question here, which wide receivers will make the final roster? Which receivers make the final roster? So, run? let's assume they keep six. Who are you keeping? Okay. Hilton, Pittman, Pascal, Paris. Ah, uh, man. I know it's a crapshoot, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Probably Doolin, because yep. I, I would anticipate that. Six one. It, it, it might be. It might be DeMichael Harris. I mean, like you said before, I honestly do think they kind of want to keep him around because he's that specialist kind of player. Okay. I'm going to actually do Patman for number six. I really am. I think I think he's developed the way the Colts want him to, um, and I think he really has a strong camp and pushes for that number six. But, 
you never know. <laughs> you really never know. All right. Uh, how many rushing yards will Taylor McEnhine's average per game and each end up with for the season? So it's kind of a two-parter question. Okay. Um. Oh, my Lord. I know. Uh, so combined, I'm guessing. How many did we have last year? I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. That is a hard question. <laughs> a um, very hard question. Let's just say. Let's okay. Just say this. Don't let's give me say. yards. Give me like the ranking. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say I could break it down with the yards, but yeah. ranking wise, talking about the best running, best like run production throughout the year. Yeah, let's just do that because that's a lot easier to to, to kind of. I, I I I would say it's it should be easy top seven. Okay. It should be top seven. I don't know how exactly that's going to work for us because, you know, Carson Wentz is going to be able to do things differently than what Phillip Rivers did, but I fully anticipate the Colts still trying to do running. It's going to be easy top 10. It's just a matter of where they end up. But um, what was the second part of that question? How much will each end up on the season? So yardage wise. Okay. Um, Jonathan Taylor with... Jonathan Taylor with about, uh, let's say another twelve hundred yard season for Jonathan okay. Taylor, um, and then I would say a good six hundred for Marlon Mack, and probably a good, uh, I would say probably a good four fifty for Naheem. So with receiving and and running. Well, with running, that's just running. I'm not talking about okay. receiving. I'm not talking about receiving in general. I'm talking just rushing here. Okay, gotcha. So that, that's just rushing yards. I know Taylor and uh, Hines are going to get their fair share of touches in the receiving game, but yeah. that's all just rushing for me, though. So probably be around 2,200, 2,300 yards rushing throughout the year. Okay. That's kind of, yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. All right. I found Wayne's other two questions. He says, will Tevi start at left tackle and keep it until Fisher's back healthy? I think we could say, yeah, that's kind of the thought right now is Sam Tevi will be uh, that starter at left tackle until Fisher's back. Uh, number five, when we go three linebackers on the field, uh, who will it be starting at the stand with Okariki and Leonard? We kind of touched on this one, so we don't have to go in too much detail with this one. Um, we kind of mentioned it already. Mm-hmm. All right, let's keep moving though, because we got we still got a, a few more questions here. Okay. Um, from Adam, he says, "Would it be more meaningful for the Colts to beat Tampa Bay or New England this season?" I mean, you have to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? Because you know, it's got it's got your old coach. It's got Tom Brady. They're Super Bowl champs from last year. That would make the most difference, right? I mean, obviously, it doesn't really account for the AFC whatnot. But I mean, just to say, oh, beating the Super Bowl champs when the season is still in the midst of being right there in the dead set middle. I mean, I think that would make total sense that you know, beating Tampa Bay would be the more meaningful, significant game. And going into that bye week, too. Having that bye week, going into, you know, doing stuff like that. And we already know how Reich is when it comes to the games after they have their bye weeks. We already know how the uh, Colts are with being prepared. See, this is my argument from a salty Colts fans perspective here. Screw New England, first off. Um, I want to beat them because uh, we haven't beat them in a while. Um, second off, you mentioned the AFC. Well, that's like what, week 15? So, like, there's some potential playoff implications in the AFC. So, I think in New England, while, yeah, beating Tampa Bay would be a great morale boost, I definitely agree with you. I think beating New England, beating an AFC foe, especially if they're in the playoff hunt too, could be really big for you. And just help with seeding as well. So that's kind of my argument for it. But I see both sides of it as well. I get where you're coming from. All right. Uh, next one from David. He says, if the health and experience of our left tackle position is the only weakness people seem to talk about, is it truly a weakness at all? He adds, I would almost rather call Fisher, Davenport, Tevy, and Holden hungry to prove the doubters wrong. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's – that's that's definitely true. I mean, you know, there are some people that still even question Eric Fisher, even after being in the NFL for all these years 
and how good he actually can be. And I mean, there's no question the chip on the shoulders for guys like Tevy and Davenport, you know, guys who, you know, were thrown into situations and in retrospect, they really didn't perform too great, uh, according to a lot of people. And, you know, the chance to kind of be the guys to kind of start in a new place and show they can still be worth a damn. I mean, that's, that's very important for them. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of a strength now for how much depth you actually have at that left tackle spot. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, a lot of these guys are really wanting to prove uh, the haters wrong. And, you know, Tevi's going to have a chance to do that early in the season. And, you know, Fisher obviously is going to have his shot when he gets healthy. If people have brought up an interesting point, what happens if Tevi just balls out, you know, like, that's a great problem to have, but like, my goodness, like, do you elect to resign Eric Fisher? You know what I mean? If he plays phenomenal, what right, happens? If he plays phenomenal, that's the point. Like, I'm talking no right. sacks, like maybe one or two QB pressures throughout the whole first four or five weeks, however many weeks Fisher is gone. Yeah, I'm talking no sacks, few pressures, nothing. Like, I mean, it, it, he's got a ball out to say, oh, yeah, we need to we need to give that guy uh, a chance over Eric Fisher. Right. No, I just meant for later, like next season and, and moving forward. Right. Um, all right. Uh, so we have, I think, seven questions left, all from Instagram here. Okay. Uh, the first one from I, it's Seabass. He says, what made you want to start this page or this podcast? Well, I mean, that's a good question for you. <laughs> you started it. So what made you want to join the podcast? I'll, I'll, I'll change it. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I've always been a big fan of the Colts and, you know, I felt, I kind of felt like I wanted to get into podcasting, you know, wanted to do something where, you know, I'm pretty knowledgeable about the Colts and I'm always talking about the Colts. I'd love to have a page where I can just go and do that. And, you know, I, knew you for several months on Twitter. I knew who you were. Um, you were already a cult celebrity at that point before, uh, before uh, oh, you came what you are now. So, you know, you were already one of the bigger guys on YouTube. I was like, dude, this would be insane to get a chance to be able to work with you on this stuff. And, you know, I mean, that's ultimately why I wanted to do it. Cause I was like, you know, Cody's already got a small following and, you know, I feel like I could help with that. And, you know, here we are now. Yeah, it's been great, man. It's really been great to have you on. It's like took the podcast to just a whole new level that we I wasn't going to be able to reach by myself. And so uh, it's cool, like just the way that we're able to complement each other in certain ways, you know, yeah. like like we're and, and people will know this, like we're very different in a lot of ways and how we view yeah. things um, and just how we react to things. And I think that's good because it offers different perspectives on the team. We love the team. We want to see the same goal for the team. Um, and sometimes we have different perspectives. Sometimes we butt heads, but we bring different thoughts on it. And I think it's great, man. And, and kind of going back to the question here, I mean, kind of similar to what you said. I mean, I just really love the Colts. Like I've loved the Colts really ever since middle school when I just started getting into them. Um, I did, I kind of dabbled around with some writing for a few years, was just on Twitter for a while. And then I was like, you know what? I can do this. You know, I, I can do my own podcast. Um, you know, I was inspired from a few folks who were doing it that I listened to. And, and I was just like, yes, absolutely. I want to do this. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. Those of you who have been here for a long time, you know exactly what I mean. When you look back at some of those videos from day one it was not pretty, but uh, I'd like to say we've improved vastly. Back we've grown in the a lot. old audio days. Just oh my goodness. nothing but audio. <laughs> yeah. And I think we've grown a lot. And obviously Colts fans have responded pretty well um, to this. And yeah. so uh, it's honestly one of the biggest honors of my life, man, if I'm being honest. Because yeah. like I can't – it's like, still crazy to me. I can't fully wrap my mind around sometimes like, man, 7,000 people plus care to think what I have to say. Right? Yeah. Like they yeah. listen to what I have to say and they actually care about what I have to say, mm-hmm. even if they don't always agree with what I have to say. Right. Um, they still care enough to listen. And that's just so huge, man. I mean, that, honestly, it's crazy to think about that. All the support mm-hmm. we've gotten, I know for me personally, it's been overwhelming in a really great way. 
Um, and, uh, you know, it's just a dream, man, to just talk about the team that we love pretty much every day. Yep. Uh, it's just been crazy, man. It's been crazy. And honestly, like the reason I, I did one on Julio Jones, a video on Julio Jones, you know, last week when I was on vacation, it doesn't feel like work to me. It's fun to me, man. Yeah. I enjoy doing it. I love to do it. I will do it as much as it takes to make this thing successful. And uh, it's crazy, All man. The way this to is, 10K. Yeah. It's crazy <laughs> to me that this is uh, year three now of doing this yeah. thing. It's been it's been a great journey. Um, and really, thank you, everybody who listens to this. Honestly, from the bottom of my heart, uh, really, really appreciate it. So thanks for that question. Uh, all right, this one from Caden. He says, you think the Colts going to Julio? We said, nope. Okay, Justin says, will Fisher go back to his Pro Bowl form? I mean, well, I will say this. Having Big Q on your right side is certainly a much, a much more helpful person to have. Uh, yeah. It certainly makes it a lot easier to block when you have somebody like that on your side. So. Um, yeah, I mean, as long as he's healthy and he's good to go and he doesn't have any of those lingering back problems he was having from before, then there's no, there's no question in my mind that Eric Fisher can be as good as he was, if not better going into these next couple of years, having that offensive line, uh, coherency that he has now with them. Throw out Anthony Costanzo for an example. I feel like when Big Q came, his game elevated to a new level. He got better when Big Q came. You got to think Eric Fisher's already been one of the top tackles in the league. Can he even get better? Costanzo got better when he got older. It's weird how that worked out, but maybe Eric Fisher goes along a certain route. Just the Big Q effect, you know? Who knows what could happen there, but wow, that would be crazy if that happened. And he could get to not just a Pro Bowl form. What if he got to an all-pro form and he had your left side with all pros on it? I mean, that would be something else, man. That would be awesome. Uh, all right, next question from, I think this is Nisky Cap, Lucky Manning 26 I believe he's Nisky Cap on our YouTube channel, but he asked from Instagram, he says, what are you expecting upcoming contracts for Leonard, Smith, and Nelson to look like? Uh, well, I think that we all kind of agreed that the lucky number 18 is the number when it comes to Leonard's average per year kind of result there. Yeah, I don't expect it to be any lower than that. Um, it's just a matter of, like you said, how many, how many years does he get signed for? Um, a lot of people thinking, you know, maybe a, uh, maybe a five-year contract so you can afford to pay him at a slightly lower, uh, slightly lower amount per year basis. If you're just going to pay him for five years, cause you know that le- you want to keep Leonard around for five years because I mean, it's one of the best linebackers in the league. You don't want to just let somebody like that hit the open market. Cause he would hit the open market fast and it would not take long for somebody to get him. So yeah. Um, yeah. 18, maybe a little bit higher. It's probably what I would anticipate. And Braden, I said the lucky number is around 15 per year there. Um, I'd say that's probably pretty close to what I think is going to happen. And Big Q, oh, oh my God. God. I don't even want to. I don't even want to talk about that number. I don't even want to talk about that number because then that's just going to give me anxiety. Because oh. like I can only imagine the number that that would come with. I mean. What over twenty million a year? Easily, I think. I mean, and how many years are you going to sign him? I mean, you're going to let <laughs> that guy go. Your contract, I don't like, care. It's, a, it's, a, it's probably going to be like a Trent Williams type deal, folks. It, I'm I'm not even joking. It's probably what it is. Where you know it's going to get a six year contract, probably worth like a hundred and twenty something million dollars, because you know you want to keep a generational type lineman on your team at all costs. Yes. It doesn't even matter if you have average to below average offensive linemen on the rest of your squad. Having big Q on your offensive line immediately makes you one of the better lines in the league. Immediately. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, Gage Sarna asks, how are the carries going to be split between our three running backs? Uh, I said Taylor 60... 
Hines, Hines, or no, I'll say Taylor uh, 50, say Hines 30, Mac 20. Okay. Well, Probably. I think a lot of them will be on the field at the same time at certain points too. So that'll be a, a thing as well that the Colts are going to do. It won't just be always one running back on the field. You know what I mean? All right. Um, where are we at? A couple more, two more here. Uh, this one from DMART207. Which player do you think is in danger slash will be the most surprising roster cut this year? Did they give exa- – uh, I was going to say, I'm I'm going to have to figure out who because uh, that's a good question. I really don't know if I can think of somebody right now that I would say, oh, yeah, that's the definitive guy. Um, I think the one and only one that I would say that kind of tips a little bit of my radar when it comes to surprising cut is maybe Ben Banigou. It's the Mm -hmm. only one that I can think of. I just don't, I don't see a lot of, we kind of had a few of those last year, Cody, where we were kind of just like, oh yeah, we knew Taekwon Lewis was having an issue and you know, some of the other guys are out there, but like Taekwon Lewis, we haven't seen anything, you know, is a healthy scratch. How's he going to perform in training camp? You know, that's going to ultimately decide on whether or not he's going to get re-signed or even play at all. And then, you know, I think Ben Banigou's a little bit in the same kind of circumstance, you know? I mean, you were talking to me a little bit about the presser that he had, and I obviously didn't get to watch it because I was at work. But, um, you know, I mean, didn't really want to talk about last year that much, but... And I understand why you don't want to, because it was a really bad year for you because, you know, you didn't get to play, but, you know, kind of would like some understanding as to why you didn't play. You know, we heard the coaches tell us why, but I'd like to hear from your own mouth say, you know, last year, maybe I didn't take it uh, the way I should have. Maybe I took it for granted. Maybe I just didn't, I wasn't living up to my potential because I just maybe wasn't trying hard enough. I don't know, something, because you're not just a healthy scratch on a on an empty defensive end uh, or on a unproven defensive end group for no reason. You obviously weren't go- doing everything you were asked to be done of you. So I don't know. I mean, you know, it kind of gives me the suspicion maybe and a lot of people took offense to how he uh, sounded and looked in that presser too. A lot of people thought he really just didn't sound like he cared too much. I, on one hand, I get it because he was asked two questions about it. And he's just like, I want to move on. Like, and I totally yeah. understand that, Yeah, I get it. but you know, I, I agree with you in a way where it's like, I kind of would think maybe you should just embrace it a little bit. Maybe like, yeah, last year was rough. Last year sucked for me. But I'm learning, I'm focused on this year, and I'm going to move forward. I think just the body language, like you said, just kind of turns people off. Whether or not it was intentional, we don't know. Obviously, we can't assume really anything because we don't know. And and it seems like he's been really putting in the work, man. He's really been putting his head down to the grind and just has been continuing to try to improve. So he's been working with the Forrest Buckner this offseason. So hopefully that pays dividends. But I think uh, staying on the defensive line, Isaac Rochelle could be a potential cut. For me as well. Mm-hmm. I think potentially he could be a guy that we see, you know, just because of the sheer numbers at defensive line, I could see the Colts potentially being like, look, we're going to roll with our younger guys here. We yeah. think have more potential at this point. And I, th- I could see them doing that. But yeah, it, I think it just speaks to Ballard kind of really a lot of, of filling the holes that we don't really have questions at anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Like really, really filling those holes and like, Now we know who are going to be the starters and we kind of have an idea like most of these draft picks, uh, not all of them, but most of them have kind of lived up or started to live up to their potential. So um, none of them are really in, except for maybe Ben Banigou, like we said, are really in trouble potentially of being cut um, or any guys of note that we could say like we would be shocked if they were cut right now because we just don't think it's a reality. But uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think those are the couple guys potentially that people could be like, what, why do we cut that person? So I could see that potentially happening as well. Uh, Last question here from S Lucas Anthony. He says, do you think Carson Wentz will bring us to the Super Bowl in the four years he has left on his contract? What a question to end it. 
In four years. In the four years he has on his contract. I'll do it. Yes. Yes. I fully (laughs) believe. And Carson Wentz, I fully believe in what this team is doing. I think Carson Wentz is going to get back to the form that we saw him before 2020 in that disastrous Eagles season that they had. I think he's going to get back to 2018, 2019 form. And we're going to see a better Carson Wentz. And I'm really looking forward to what this Colts team is going to provide us over these next couple of years. Yeah, bro. He he just seems so much happier now mm-hmm. like, with the Colts. Like, He's actually got people that are actually willing to ride with him right now. You know, yeah. he didn't have that really that much in, in Philly. I mean, it's just, it's night and day, man. You see it. You can see it on his face. He's in a place where now he's starting to gain confidence again, you know? And that's so big. Playing basketball with Mo Ali Cox. Like, and taking him down field. to the wire. Like, come on. like, when was he doing that in Philly? When was he, when's, where's the mm. fun in that stuff? You know, he wasn't doing that with his teammates. And he's challenging the basketball star to a, to a knockout match. Obviously, he didn't win, but, you know, I mean, and T.Y. Hilton's the first one to run up to him and embrace him, even though he lost. You know, like he's actually in a fun team environment right now. And I think it just speaks volumes to what this locker room is and just how he can how he can just levitate to all these guys. And I know Eagles Nation is pissed about it because, you know, when Michael Pittman was talking about Carson Wentz and his leadership, of course, you know, they were saying how Oh, it's just another young wide receiver not wanting to talk crap about a about his aging quarterback, even though even though it's literally just the exact opposite. Maybe it's just because, you know, maybe you Philly people are so stupid that you don't understand that Carson Wentz actually did have some leadership, but everybody else on your team was full of crap. Maybe that's why. Dang man, you're you're sh- you're not afraid I'll, I'll to shoot shots crap. at all of Philly, man. Bring them. <laughs> Ring I mean, I'll say it to RB space. Bro. I'll say it to RB space. I think RB would agree he'll, with me. He'll agree. Yeah. He would agree. I mean, it goes to show. Tonight. He'd agree with me on that. It goes to show that literally, do you remember this? Carson Wentz was mowing his yard and Philly fans were pissed. Like, what is this man supposed to do? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you can't do anything right without fans questioning, especially Philly fans. Trashing him, so no wonder he wants to get out of that organization. Yeah, I don't and blame they're, they're the absolute worst when it comes to their fa- uh, fan bases. I mean, they're some of the most loyal, dedicated fans out there, but they are terrible when they're trash. And you know, I mean, obviously, Colts uh, has a few of those people. I mean, we've certainly seen our fair share of of trashy takes <laughs> when the Colts didn't start off absolutely great at the start of the season. We saw all the comments about Phillip Rivers, and then look at what happened. And then the majority of people came around once the Colts finally started winning games. Yep, and, and that's what happens, right? Winning cures all. But it's great to see Carson Wentz in an environment, man, where he can thrive, honestly. And you talked about Michael Pittman. Look at all. Listen to all the receivers that are, have had interviews with the media. Every single one has said he's a great teammate. Yeah, everyone, he's a great teammate. Yeah, like, and you had wide receivers in Philly going behind closed doors, talking to media, saying they didn't like Carson Wentz for some weird, unknown reason. Yet every single wide receiver, I think Paris Campbell said it. Paris Campbell's even had time where he's been doing workouts with Carson. Zach Pascal, when they started camp, he was saying, oh, the, the throws are great there. I'm loving it. Michael Pittman talking about how uh, Carson's been throwing like 60-yard fade routes um, on, on drags and stuff. Like, I mean, good Lord. I'm, I'm seeing more confidence from these wide receivers who have seen him for two months versus the guys in Philly who have been with him for three years. Yep. And uh, so I think, go into the question, I think this is the best shot he has at leading the Colts to the Super Bowl is with this organization. I think so. And I think of all the options the Colts could have gone this season, this is probably their best option from a connection standpoint with Frank Reich and you know Carson Wentz and all that stuff. And, and what has been, we've seen his ceiling has been, right? Carson Wentz's ceiling. Yeah. Right? We've seen MVP. 
type of player. Yeah, we've seen him. MVP caliber. Yeah. Like, as much as we you love Justin Fields, he's a rookie, you know? Carson Wentz has proven it in this league. He has. Multiple years, not just 2017. Multiple years he's proven it in this league. Has one down year, and everybody thinks he's the worst quarterback in existence. I he think just, the he, only thing that is not rooting for the success of uh, of Carson Wentz this year is Zach Hicks's hairline. <laughs> the only thing that's not rooting for Carson Wentz's success. <laughs> what an account indeed. I don't even yes. know how to respond to that account. <laughs> I don't know who came up with that. I don't know uh, like who thought of in their right mind to say, oh yeah, I'm going to create a burner account based off that. But I applaud them for sticking with it, and I'm I, I applaud them because, unfortunately for Zach, if Carson Wentz does end up top ten in DVOA, then unfortunately that burner account is going to keep reminding him to shave his head. <laughs> I would love to see Zach Hicks oh. without hair. That would be the oh greatest my. thing ever. Oh my word! Uh, <laughs> There's not well, much of it there at the moment, so we'll see what happens when we get rid of it. <laughs> well, we are uh, getting way off track here, so uh, we'll just end it here. Thank you, guys, everybody who submitted your questions. We love doing this. We love to try to do it pretty frequently. So if you didn't get a question in this time, don't worry. We'll do more of them here in the off season. It's a long off season. Got a lot to talk about for sure. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. It's been a lot of fun doing this Q&A with you guys. Thank you for 7K, like I said at the beginning. And as always, go Colts. Yeah.